Welcome to the Imposture to Unstoppable podcast, where physicians can learn how to overcome imposter syndrome and create the career of their dreams. I am joined today with Dr. Jennifer Davis, who's a pediatrician and an adolescent medicine specialist. And she is also a co-author of the recent book, The Chronicles of Women in White Coats 2. Jennifer, thank you for being with me today. Thanks for having me. So during your career and your training, where did imposter syndrome affect you the most? Well, I probably didn't know about imposter syndrome probably until I was an attending, but I really most noticed it um, when I was in college and definitely medical school. And um, it's actually in the book, like what I mostly wrote about in my chapter was imposter syndrome, um, though it didn't have that name in the 90s. But pretty much um, when I was in high school, you know, I graduated like in the top 50 of my class. You know, I went to an old women's college um, for my um, college career and I got on campus and, you know, I knew that college was going to be different from high school, but you know, when I, you know, I'm used to, you know, getting 90s, 80s, you know, everything. <laughs> and when I um, was in college, I just wasn't doing as well as all my other classmates. Like everyone was talking about, oh, I got an A plus year, A plus all my classes, honors. And I wasn't there, especially for my science classes. And, and I started thinking like, why am I at this school? Like, how is, how am I not doing as well as everyone else? And, you know, and especially, you know, I wanted to be a physician since I was 10 years old. Mm -hmm. And I, um, you know, it was what, I, what my interest was, women's health, um, you know, is where I wanted to go. I wanted to be an OBGYN. And it's like, I'm not going to deviate off my, off my, um, off my life plan. Yeah. And, and as I, you know, went along, you know, you hit organic chemistry, you mm -hmm. know, all those classes. And. You know, just, it was just frustrating because um, I wasn't um, doing as well as I wanted or I thought I needed to to get into medical school. A lot of people at my college were pre-med. And at the time, I really isolated myself. Like, I felt like I couldn't share what I was feeling with everyone else because I thought, like, everyone else was, like, was like um, gold star and I was not. And... Mm -hmm. And it really, um, really affected me tremendously. And um, we got a new pre-med advisor when I was in college. And um, this, the second one I had, she, you know, every time I was in her office, I would break, break out into tears. And she asked me, she's like, do you even want to be a doctor? Mm -hmm. You know, are your parents forcing you to do this? And... And personally, I was insulted. I said, my parents support me no matter what I do. And my mm -hmm. parents, especially my mother, was my main source of support. She was the only person I was really confiding in as to what was going on with me. And I was just like, um, excuse me, lady, I'm going to, you know, become a doctor. And this mm -hmm. is what I'm going to do. And basically, my junior year, I decided that, you know, I have to take some time off to um, focus on myself, like take some time off between college and medical school mm -hmm. to um, get my application process um, done because I, I felt like I wasn't in a place where I could answer the essay, why do I want to become a doctor? What would make, why would Jennifer Davis be a good doctor when I was feeling so terribly about myself? 
mm-hmm. and it ended up being like the the best thing I ever did. And um, but you know, still, it's like I still had that same feeling. Like even in med school, you know, where in this fishbowl, it was like going through high school again. Like you know, you had the cool kids, you had like you know, the, it was just yeah, it was more typical high school than what I experienced in high school. It was just like a, a, you know, a very, um, you know, a strange experience, except like in med school, at least like I reached out for help, you Mm -hmm. know, more than I did. I learned my lessons in college. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, um, what brought me more to speak out about, about this was I had my college reunion last year. And I happened to have mentioned my feelings to some of um, people I went to college with. And they were like, I was going through the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, it's like, I wish, you know, I had told people because yeah. everyone was going through the same thing I was. And I just thought, you know, I'm a freak. I'm not going, you know, yeah. I didn't even, I was the only person going through this. Um, you know, maybe the other time I experienced um, some imposter syndrome maybe in, in during, not during my residency, but maybe during my fellowship, mm-hmm. just because like I thought that my, my two other co-fellows were just so much smarter than me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're just really brilliant. And, um, you know, I just, just felt like, you know, my evaluations were always good, but, you know, it was like a tad below. So it was like also, also I'm very competitive. Yeah. And, you know, medicine, medicine in general is very competitive. I mean, we're all taught to compete against one another. Yeah. And, you know, basically from, you know, even getting your MCAT scores, like when you're in college, it's like, oh, your MCAT be here to be competitive. And then, you know, in medical school, it's like your steps. It's like, okay, if you want to go into a really competitive subspecialty, you know, you have to have, you know, you have to ace all step one, step two, and, mm-hmm. you know, everything is, um, you know, it's just competition, even when you're in your rotations, you know. They call on you. You're expected to know the answer. And I always had a fear of like not having the right answer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that was, you know, one thing I just, you know, even, you know, plagued me with even teaching a lecture. Like I was always nervous about um, when I taught um, the residents during my fellowship, like what if they ask me a question? I don't know the answer. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, like during residency, like I used to hate like being on the spot for, um, you know, when you're post-call. And you mm-hmm. have to present like the morning patient during morning report. I always hated like being put on the spot being like, oh my God, what if I don't know the answer? Then I'm going to look stupid. And, you know, and then like, um, I don't know, they're going to fail me in my rotation. I mean, who knows? Like I was thinking, yeah. but it was just, you know, it's like all these like normal, you know, pressures that we all go through. And, you know, it's no coincidence I d- developed test taking anxiety in medical mm-hmm. school mm-hmm. that, you know, still carries through to me with this, with this day with, you know, taking my boards even, you yeah. know? So, you know, it's like all these pressures that, you know, we're, we're going through because we are in a culture where, you know, we're all type A and, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. we're all, you know, made to compete against each other. Okay. I didn't feel relief until I was an attending <laughs> actually. Yeah, and I think true. probably mostly because even though I am in an academic environment, I do have a faculty appointment, but I'm not necessarily in, um, you know, I'm definitely more outpatient. Um, so I don't have that worry of, you know, going from assistant professor and then going to mm-hmm. associate professor, you know, I have no interest in that academic track. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's just another area where you, you know, luckily I've been spared with having to have the pressures of publishing and all of that yeah. other stuff. 
for sure. A couple of points that you brought up that I think are really, are really awesome. And the first is this isolation of imposter syndrome and these thoughts of you're not good enough. And you think that you're the only one who feels that way. And I, I think that every single woman I've ever spoken to about imposter syndrome has said the same thing. And I think it's so useful for women like you to come out and write a, in, in a book and say like, this is what, these are my struggles and admit those feelings because it just opens up a space for, for other women to say like, yes, like that's, I, that was exactly what I was feeling as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was just really, you know, this is additional pressure because yeah. not only being a woman, but also being a black woman too. And then mm-hmm. you have that worry of people thinking, well, you only got this far because of what you look like, mm-hmm. not because of your intelligence and your hard work because you're always having to prove yourself even more. So I always feel like I have that additional pressure too, in addition to, you know, being a woman physician, I'm a black woman physician too. So that's Mm -hmm. also another item of of pressure. So have you felt throughout your training and in your career that you kind of have to, the pressure is there to overperform because of those judgments that other, that you, that other people are thinking? I just think I, um, I just, I don't feel like it's additional pressure. I just feel like I'm just very self-critical and I'm just mm-hmm. always hard on myself that I think would just, I don't think it's additional, but I think it's just within me that I'm just naturally um, very hard on myself and looking at how I can do things better. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's always, you know, it's a good trait to kind of be able to, you know, see your weaknesses, but then, you know, it's kind of not because, you know, I've had, um, you know, people at my former job, like you, you are a person who really like can, you know, look at yourself and see, you know, how you can do better. But then it's just like, I wish I didn't, like, I wasn't so hard on myself to sit here and figure out like how I should be doing better because I'm probably doing much better than I am. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I'm just so hard on myself. Yeah. So how do you balance that? Have you, have you gotten better at balancing that, that self-criticism to recognizing the value and all the the things that you're good at and all the things you've accomplished? I think so. Just mainly, and it's probably kind of hard to, bad to say, but I feel like it's more like external validation that's actually helped Mm -hmm. because I need other people to tell me like, you know, you're being ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, sometimes like when I'm, you know, in a therapy session with my therapist and she's saying like, you know, listen to yourself. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you're a beautiful, smart black woman who's a doctor and you have your master's in public health and you're sitting here saying that sometimes you feel like you're stupid. Yeah. And then when you have someone reflect that back to you and just like, you know what, she's right. Like I am being stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's, um, you know, and it's just like um, hearing like what, non-medical people think about what you're doing, you know, can also change your perspective on things. Because then at work, like when you're spending a lot of time with doctors or even nurses, like everyone knows like what you do. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and in general, like when I'm outside of work, like I really don't bring up what I do. Um, just mainly because, well, one, because, um, 
you know, I don't want to get tons of medical questions, you mm-hmm. know, especially being a pediatrician with, you yes. know, <laughs> friends, like, yeah. or just in general, like, you know, like I was at a picnic and a family friend, um, his wife was going through cancer and we were at a picnic and he's telling me all about his cancer treatment. Oh. Like, I don't want to hear this. Like, first of yeah. all, I don't know anything. I'm not a hematologist, oncologist. So I have no idea like what you're talking about. Yeah. But then it's like, I don't want to hear. I feel like it's private, you know, yeah. like this is his life's cancer treatments and you're telling me about this. So I feel like it's an invasion of her, mm-hmm. of her privacy. And I didn't feel comfortable but then I didn't want to stop him and be like, look, you know, you got to stop yeah. it. But it was just like trying to figure out a natural way of um, doing it. So I really, you know, try not to, um, you know, mention what I do. Um, but when I was in um, getting my, my master's of public health and I had my basically my capstone project at the end, I ended up doing, um, my concentration was like health policy. And I ended up doing um, like kind of, uh, like a project on having contraceptives, um, oral contraceptives be available over the counter or Mm -hmm. um, pharmacist um, assisted contraception. And a lot of it also involved work with um, plan B becoming over the counter. Mm -hmm. And so that's a lot of things like various policies that um, the federal government has brought up and I brought up all the stuff in my paper. And, you know, part of my oral presentation was oral and written. I was, um, you know, mentioning, um, so I live in New York and we are very liberal here regarding, you know, um, women's health. So it's basically like mentioning all the things that we can do here, all the access that, um, you know, teenagers have, you know, regarding their reproductive health rights. And for me, it's like in this environment, I've just been doing this for years. And a lot, to me, it's like nothing. So, you know, when I was done with my presentation and hearing what everyone had to say about it, they're like, wow, that's amazing things you guys are doing. And that's so awesome. And and I'm like, really? I was like, this is what I do every day. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. so it's, you know, just hearing like people who are not as experienced in, you know, what you do hear about, you know, what your day-to-day existence is. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it does help me. Yeah, I do do a lot of good things. And yeah, I am pretty awesome. And, you know, the work I do is pretty substantial. And I mean, you know, that it is like, I know what I do, you know, working in school health with, you know, a lot of underserved um, black and brown children and a lot of immigrant population. I know what I do is important. But, you know, sometimes to hear people who are outside of that, that sphere, Mm-hmm. tell you what you do is important, it does help. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're so right that we're so used to surrounding, like staying within our bubble of, of the medical field and even around other healthcare professionals that we think that, that everyone is like that when really like yeah. we are, there's not, not many people are doctors and you go outside of that world and expose yourself to other people and it's nice to see that like awe and amazement in, in, in that people have of what you're doing. And I think that it's, you know, all of us, I think, rely on external validation to some degree. And I think that's normal and fine. And we all want to feel like we're providing some value to the world. I think what's challenging is when you're not able to create internal validation, which I don't think we're really taught that as, ever as students. And I think that's where it gets challenging because if you're constantly looking for external validation from your patients or colleagues or bosses as a physician, 
you're going to completely burn out because you're just not going to get it all the time. You're going to get a lot of criticism from the unhappy patients or, you know, you need R more RVUs and that kind of thing. So I think it's a balance that you need, you need mm -hmm. to, it's okay to want and to appreciate the external validation, but you have to learn how to realize that you create your own validation internally as well. Absolutely. You're absolutely, you're absolutely correct. And it's, um, and sometimes too, that's also where you have to have like the switch that kind of goes in your head and be like, okay, you know what, like, you know, the give yourself like these pep talks and be like, you know what, like you're, what you're thinking is, you know, you need to change it the way you're thinking about this situation. Yeah. That of, you know, thinking of this negative way, like kind of just turn it around into a positive. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, like another thing that's also helped me too is um, like Michelle Obama mentioned during her tour, how, you know, she's been in a room with people at the top people. And then you realize they're like, they're not so great, mm -hmm. you know? So <laughs> then it's just, you know, it, it's, that's also something that you also have to, you know, think of regarding yourself too. It's just like, you know, don't compare yourself to everyone else. Like you are awesome. And, um, you know, like everything, you know, you've accomplished has been, you know, amazing. Mm -hmm. It's like the same thing that, um, you know, before, um, you know, we started recording, we we're talking about, you know, riding on our Pelotons. Yeah. And, you know, some of the instructors say like, look, you know, you've, you've been on this bike for 20 minutes. Like that's something that a lot of people in this, you know, world haven't, can't do or haven't mm -hmm. done. And so that's an accomplishment. So mm -hmm. it's, you know, you just have to, um, you know, just remember like what grounds you and what makes you happy. And, mm -hmm. you know, you're always going to have a rough day. I mean, even like two weeks ago, like my bosses came, you know, special, had a special visit to my clinic to discuss, mm -hmm. you know, my productivity. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so, I mean, we all have those, those days where, you know, you just, you know, want to like turn it, you know, chuck it all in, but then yeah. you just have to sit here and just think about, you know, the, you know, the, the one patient that, or the one or two patients that, you know, you really um, made a difference in their lives or, yeah. you know, or the service, um, you know, the patient that you helped out today or, you know, just reaching out. Um, right now I'm doing um, a lot of telephone um, telehealth right mm -hmm. now. So just even, you know, reaching out to, you know, this one patient and they're just telling, the mom's telling you, oh, I, you know, had issues with a video call with my son's neurologist and I really need his new medicines and I can't figure out how to get in touch with them. And, you know, I'm like, okay, you know, let me message, you know, the neurologist yeah. and say that, you know, you want to set up another visit, you know, just to do my part to help out. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it's like little things that, you know, can just make, people's lives easier that that you're a part of exactly and you know sometimes like I just sit here since I I, I work in um, a school-based health center so um you know I take care of patients from like 10 to I mean I have some 20 year olds actually mm -hmm. some old, older high school kids and you know the things that I've seen you know like the graduations I've been invited to um you know my diabetic patients that I see every day you know, and it's been weird to go like five months this long without seeing them. Yeah. I see them 
like every day. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to, well, I don't even know in September if I'll be seeing them, you know, so I don't know what's going on with school. But, um, you know, it's just, you know, it's like those little things that, you know, you just have to think of that, you know, keep you going. And you just yeah. need to focus on whatever it is to um, calm you down. And so to prevent burnout. Yeah. It's like yeah. a whole whole other topic. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I think that's such a good um, thing to reflect on is it's so it's so easy to overlook those small things and focus on the huge failures or the or their, you know, really awful days. And when we can recognize those small things as they happen, that's what matters. And that's what really brings fulfillment to our jobs. And I think that we're not trained to look for those and to acknowledge them as being, as being rewarding or what we're really looking for. We're looking, you know, we're looking for the promotion or the or the award or whatever, when really it's those little things in the lives of individual patients that's going to sustain you throughout your career. Yes, exactly. And it's, I mean, those are the really the things that keep us going because yeah. so many of those other things just, which actually is all part of like the competitive nature of medicine, like getting your next journal article out and getting yeah. published in JAMA or New England Journal of Medicine. And, you know, those are always the things that, like you said earlier, is what we're taught to be most important. Mm-hmm. And, but it's, you know, when I get older, whenever I sit here and look back at my medical career, it's like not going to be like any of that. Like it's going to okay. be your patients. Mm-hmm. Like, I still, you know, remember um, one of my team moms from fellowship who um, I ran into at the hospital, like, um, probably like five years later. Mm-hmm. And, and she's like, Dr. Davis, do you remember me? And I looked, I looked at her name. I said, oh, my God. Like, I knew, since I saw her name, I said, yes, I remember you. And then we had lunch. And she told me about what was going on with her son. And she was in a job program. And she looked like she was doing well. And you know, she mentioned how sad she was when I left and, you know, how important I was to her, which I never would have thought. Yeah. So, you know, for all of us in our, you know, with our patients, we do, you know, there's always going to be patients that, you know, we hit a mark on, Mm -hmm. you know, they affect us and we affect them. Yeah. I would love to know your advice that you give to women physicians who feel like an imposter, what would you tell them to um, help them out? Well, what I would say is my advice would be that you are not the only one who's feeling this mm-hmm. to, um, to speak with others about it and to just affirm yourself and remember how you got to this point. Mm-hmm. Be like, you, you, you are a doctor because obviously if you got your MD, you're qualified to have your MD. MD. Mm-hmm. You got through college, medical school, taking all your tests, doing everything that everyone else did to get the MD. And, and um, you know, just, you know, if you, fe- if you feel like, you know, for whatever reason you're struggling, talk to someone about it, get help for it. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, if you're just having a bad day, you know, just take your mind off it and just focus on something that gives you joy. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. You too. One more thing before you go. 
I wanted to tell you about the amazing course I just put together and is available now and live at the lowest price I'll ever offer it. And it is all about how to coach yourself. So if you have been considering getting a coach, haven't been able to commit, worried about the financial investment, or just not quite sure if it's the right thing for you yet, then self-coaching is a really, really good place to start. It's exactly where I started my journey to becoming the confident and fulfilled physician that I am today and living with intention and living with purpose. For the past two years, have been working on material that I could offer other women to help them to get to where I am because there's nothing special about me. Anyone can feel this way with the proper tools and that's what self-coaching provides. So it is an in-depth and complete look into self-coaching, including what it is, why it's so important, all the tools that you need to know about self-coaching, and even a special module designed just to help you to solve your biggest everyday problems, including imposter syndrome, which so many of us struggle with. It also includes access to the private Facebook group where you can ask questions or seek support. And the part I'm most excited about is the opportunity to hop on group coaching calls every month where we can talk about specific problems that you're having. It's a safe environment where I can give you some personalized help and support as you go along this course and well beyond. Check out the link in the show notes page for this one-of-a-kind self-coaching course. It's designed mostly geared towards physician women or professional women who are struggling in their day-to-day life with a feeling of lack of confidence, feeling like an imposter, feeling like you're going through life reacting to everybody else's problems and no real direction for where your own life is going. I can help you get there and self-coaching is the way to do it.